Welcome to This Week in Astrology. This is episode number 376 for the week of August 11th, 2014. This Week in Astrology is the free podcast that deepens your astrological wisdom. We always start with the coming week's astrological forecast and regularly feature listener emails, recorded listener consultations, and interviews with other astrologers. Make This Week in Astrology a regular part of your astrological education. Thanks so much for listening. I'm your host, Benjamin Bernstein, broadcasting from the virtual location of thisweekinastrology.com and the physical location of Asheville, North Carolina. We have a long show for you this week with a very juicy live listener consultation. We're going to start, as always, with the forecast for the next seven days, sneak preview of the following week, announcements, including I'm very delighted to announce that I have been voted the best astrologer in Western North Carolina by readers of the Mountain Express. I'm really proud of that. And I'm running a 30% off special through August 18th to celebrate. And uh, also want to mention That'll be in the announcement section. But in our live listener consultation, which is the heart of this week's show, we have a fascinating session with Valentine. And she has just turned 60 this year. And she has just come to realize in the last couple of years that she is attracted to women. In fact, she says that she feels like a man trapped in a woman's body. And um, she is also curious about a grand cross and a yacht in her chart. It's a fascinating um live listener consultation. I think you'll enjoy it very much and learn a lot of astrology. And Valentine is a fascinating person. So I look forward to having you hear that. But for starters, as always, let's get into the forecast. Sacred passion can be ignited by this week's headliners, a Jupiter-Neptune quincunx, sacred, and a Mars-Pluto sextile, passion. Also notable are Venus entering glitzy Leo, Mercury getting analytical in Virgo and a healing Thor's hammer. Also, what's old this week? We have a waning moon. We have a kite that I talked about that's uh, going to peak on August 18 and wrap up by September 4th with Juno, Ceres, Vesta, Neptune, and Pluto. And we have three retrograde planets, Pluto, Neptune, and Chiron. So with that overview complete, let's move now to our individual days of the week. On Monday, August 11th, we have the moon entering Pisces. That's at 8.56 a.m. U.S. Eastern Time, ending the void that uh, started on Sunday. Moon in Pisces is a lovely energy. And in fact, it's exactly the same uh, description I will give as the moon conjuncts Neptune also this day at 7.25 p.m. So whether it's the moon entering Pisces or the moon conjoining Neptune, the analysis is the same, a strong desire for altered states. Great way to use it is uh, spiritual practice or divinely inspired creativity. Uh, things to watch out for are excessive substance abuse or escapism or being the martyr or just a sense of drifting in aimlessness. Uh, the more meaningful of the two is the moon in Pisces because that lasts two and a half days, whereas the moon Neptune conjunction just runs a few hours. Also here on Monday, we have that Thor's hammer I mentioned, and um, money and self-esteem issues may be triggered by this. The pattern starts today, and with Venus and Ceres focusing their energy toward Chiron, working through any such challenges to achieve a deeper level of healing is supported. This Thor's hammer will peak on August 13th 
and wrap up on August 15th. On Tuesday, August 12th, Venus enters Leo. The desire for lavish entertainment and sparkly costumes may arise as Venus enters Leo today. She'll be there through September 5th. This is a great time to put your creative gifts on display for an audience. And if you're not feeling that inspired yourself, you can at least receive the entertainments of others. Also, we have a moon Chiron conjunction happening around 11.15 a.m. This is a wonderful time for healing and mentoring. Possibly there may be a little bit of triggering action going on as well. Uh, if you do get triggered, the healing invocation that I offer may be of some help. You can just say to your higher self the seven words, maximum healing that serves highest good, please. Rest passively in your breath and voila, a shower of energy will come down and help wash off the stuff you no longer need to be carrying around energetically. If you'd like more on that, you can go to my homepage, astroshaman.com. And on the top of the homepage sidebar, there's a banner that says Heal and Awaken Invocations. Click that and the last article in the section you'll go to goes in depth on using the healing invocation most expeditiously. We wrap up Tuesday, August 12th with a void moon kicking in at 12.01 p.m. U.S. Eastern Time. On Wednesday, August 13th, we terminate that void moon as the moon enters Aries at nine, that's, that's nine minutes and four seconds. But uh, the way I do this is I always round the void moons to the next minute just to be safe. So we'll say the moon enters Aries at 9.01 a.m. here on Wednesday, August 13th. The moon in Aries is once again recommencing the journey through the 12 signs. So a good energy for sexuality, the warrior, the pioneer, the entrepreneur the creator, the inventor. Um, gosh, all the great stuff is wonderful for Aries athletics. Uh, Aries has so many wonderful things to offer. So um, if you don't already know, void moons uh, like the one that started yesterday are times when it's best not to make major purchases or start major new projects if possible. Here also on Wednesday, August 13th, that Thor's hammer I talked about that kicked in on Monday is peaking today. On Thursday, August 14th, our only event is a Moon-Uranus conjunction that's happening around 12.15 p.m. U.S. Eastern Time. And a Moon-Uranus conjunction here in Aries is a wonderful energy under which to be your unique one-of-a-kind self that you came to be in your egoic expression, to follow your intuitive flashes, and to serve the higher good of others in a humanitarian way. On Friday, August 15th, we have one of our big events of the week, Jupiter Quincunx Neptune. Jupiter is at 7 Leo, and Neptune is at 7 Pisces. Are you feeling the urge to have your religious path incorporate more direct personal experience? Is your muse asking you to make time for it so that you can express its latest inspiration? These are great ways to use a Jupiter-Neptune quincunx that came into orb on August 4th, comes exact today, and fades out by August 24th. If you don't know what orb is in astrological parlance, it just means close enough to connect energetically. This aspect can also fuel desires for substance abuse or excessive escapism, martyrdom, or aimlessness. If these urges arise, focusing on spiritual union practices or creative expression can redirect this Jupiter-Neptune quincunx more positively. Also today, you can get analytical as Mercury transits Virgo. It'll be there through September 1st. Catching the subtle details, service and health are also energized. 
also here on August 15th, which is definitely our busiest day of the week in terms of numbers of events. We have Mercury Quintile Mars, Mercury 29 Leo, and Mars 11 Scorpio. An extra hit of creative inspiration is available for your thinking, communication, and overall creativity with Leonine Mercury Quintile Mars. Next up, Mars sextile Pluto, Mars 11 Scorpio, Pluto 11 Capricorn. Sacred sexuality, athletic achievement, fighting the good fight, and intense personal transformation are ramped up with Scorpionic Mars sextile Pluto. And we're still not done. There's several more events to go. We have a void moon kicking in here on Friday, August 15th, and that's at 11.51 a.m. Then the void ends as the moon enters Taurus at 11.58 a.m. That is a quick little void moon. That's about seven minutes long. (laughs) Sometimes they're quick. So uh, blink, you'll miss it. The moon in Taurus is in its exaltation, we would say, and it's a great energy under which to just relax in nature, indulge your five senses, uh, be a little lazy if you want, or you can just be really steadily productive. Taurus can go either way. After so much astrological activity on Friday, it's nice that we only have one thing to focus on on Saturday, August 16th, and that is Neptune trine Vesta, the asteroid goddess. A fresh flow of inspiration on how to best carry out selfless service is available under this Neptune trine Vesta aspect. You can also merge deeper into divine union states during sacred sexuality, one of Vesta's subtler meanings, under this aspect. On Sunday, August 17th, we open with a void moon at 8.26 a.m., and we'll leave you hanging as to its resolution as we move on to Venus Quincunx Neptune, Venus at 6.5 Leo, Neptune at 6.5 Pisces. Confusion around relationships, finances, and creativity is possible with Leonine Venus Quincunx Neptune, but with the proper mental adjustment, that's the Quincunx, this aspect can support deeper divine union, inspired creativity, and feeling greater oneness with everything around you. And then our final event of the week, Moon entering Gemini, and that is happening at 6.42 p.m. U.S. Eastern Time, and that ends the void that started earlier today. The Moon in Gemini is wonderful for learning and sharing information and being playful and enjoying lots of variety. And that ends our events for these seven days. Looking ahead to next week's show, the week of August 18th, we've got a packed week with lots of different stuff happening. Uranus and Chiron are once again making a semi-sextile, those two powerful planets, uh, connecting in a really potent way. Venus will conjoin Jupiter and Quincunx Pluto. Jupiter will square Vesta. Mercury has four aspects. It's going to aspect Neptune, Pluto, Chiron, and Uranus. That'll get some deep thinking going. Neptune will try and Juno. The Sun will enter Virgo. Mars will quincunx Uranus. That can be a game changer. And we'll try and Chiron. And we have one, two, three, four, five aspect patterns beginning. We're going to have, gosh, a kite, two yards, a T-square, and a grand trine. And uh, rather than try to shove all that in right here, I'll just say tune in next week and hear about the extraordinary variety of aspect patterns that you'll have to maximize the potential from next week. So I hope you'll join me on next week's show. You can hear my weekly forecast every week on This Week in Astrology, but would you also like to get a free, concise version in writing? How about having it pop into your inbox every week? How about occasional bonus articles on astrology, healing, spiritual awakening, and more? 
That's what you'll get with Astro Shaman's free weekly email newsletter. To subscribe, go to astroshaman.com. You'll see the newsletter sign-up form near the top of the sidebar. And if you like to calculate your own astrology charts, why not use the world's leading Windows astrology software and get it for the lowest price available? Astroshaman is an authorized dealer for Solar Fire Gold, which can also run on your Mac. To learn more or place your order, visit astroshaman.com. From there, click on Products in the menu bar and choose Solar Fire Software from the drop-down menu. A free weekly forecast newsletter and the best available price on Solar Fire Gold. Two great reasons to visit astroshaman.com right now. I have a few announcements for you, including one that can save you some money. Information on everything that follows is in the What's New section of the homepage of astroshaman.com. Uh, I'm delighted to announce that I was just voted the best astrologer in Western North Carolina by the Mountain Express Reader Survey. That's the most prestigious uh, best of in the Western North Carolina area. And to celebrate being voted best astrologer, I'm offering 30% off all Astro Shaman sessions. You can save 30% off my full rates when you do or prepay your session by Monday, August 18th. So if you can't get it done by Monday, August 18th, no problem. As long as you prepay the session at the 30% off rate, you can take until the end of 2015 to actually do the session. So even though I was voted best astrologer, I'm offering this on all my services, astrology, shamanic healing, and awakening activation. So check that out if you'd like to do a session with me and save some money at it. This weekend coming up, I'm going to immerse participants into shamanic astrology as part of the astrology-themed event, Soul Journeys, A Journey Through the Stars. It's going to be Saturday, August 16th, this coming Saturday, at the Namaste Center in Hendersonville, North Carolina, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. There's also going to be presentations by Shelley Enteen and Anna White Hodges. Admission is a bargain. It's only $40 for this full-day event. And as for my part of it, I'm going to be doing an event called Shamanic Astrology Planetary Invocation for Harmonious Living. I'll start with a concise digital slideshow describing the most important astrological energies in effect right now. And then the really heart of it, I'm going to lead the group in shamanically invoking the living consciousness of several planets. This will help make their functioning in your life more positive, flowing, and harmonious. So that should be really cool. You can learn more on the site. Uh, and there was going to be a Sunday event called Soul Journeys, a healing experience that has been postponed. And I will give you a heads up when that is rescheduled. Uh, a heads up, uh, October 10th through 12th, I'm doing a presentation with Kimberly Crow and Robert Sixowls out at Isis Cove, west of Asheville. It's called Get Your Cosmic Heart On. And that is spelled H-E-A-R-T, an amazing weekend of transformation and healing and growth. We're going to do uh, my shamanic awakening process that I do with Kimberly. Robert Sixals is going to do shamanic breath work. Kimberly is going to do some of her amazing processes that go super deep and lift you up into higher dimensions. So um, I suggest you check that out if that sounds cool. If you're not even in the Asheville area, we are a destination area. So many people will be traveling from out of state to come to this event. Information on this is not up on my website just yet, but it should be up in the next few days. As always, you can check out my weekly YouTube video forecasts that include chart graphics, and that's just the forecast section of this podcast redone for video. Uh, you can always tune into my Shamanic Awakening meetup any Tuesday at 7.15 p.m. U.S. Eastern Time. That goes till 9. There's a conference call as well as the in-person event. 
And that's all this week's announcements. Welcome to our live listener consultation. This week, I'm happy to welcome to the show Valentine. Valentine, thank you so much for being on This Week in Astrology. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. And uh, let me confirm that I have your natal data correct here. It's January 11, 1954, 9.40 p.m. in Salinas, California. Is that correct? Yes. Awesome. And uh, that gives me a chart with Virgo rising 17 degrees, 15 minutes, and it puts the moon in Aries at 24 degrees, 24 minutes. Does that sound like your chart? Yes. Uh-huh. Awesome. And and we may as well fess up. Uh, we were about 45 minutes into this recording, and the computer glitched, and we lost basically everything. And you mentioned to me you sometimes have this effect on electronics. and. We'll uh, we'll see why as we get into your chart. So we we just want to listen. Though this is take two of this uh, live listener consultation, we really wanted it to happen, so we're doing it again. <laughs> okay. So um, what is your uh, focus today, Valentine? My focus today would be uh, discussing the yacht in my chart, uh, and especially the cardinal cross. Okay. And gender issues. Okay, very good. And um, and let's go ahead and dive into the, the gender issue specifically. Um, okay. Do you mind if I go ahead and share the stuff we were talking about on the prior version of this? Yes. Okay. All okay. right. So the yes means that's okay? Yeah. Okay, good. All right. So um, basically, you know, what you were telling me before was that you felt like even though you are anatomically female, you know, you, you feel a strong masculine energy and you actually wonder if maybe shortly after you were born, you know, the doctors maybe had to make a decision about whether to make you male or female if perhaps, you know, the genitalia of both genders were present. And um, in the last, you know, it sounds like you were you were basically identifying as straight until a couple of years ago when you started feeling attracted toward women. and yes. And now, you know, you're sort of, you know, not totally clear on how to work with those feelings arising since, you know, you had thought you were just a, a straight female, right? Yes, and keep in mind that I'm 60 years old. Right. So, uh, yeah. you know, you know, the kids who are in their, like, 20s now, you know, they think nothing about being gay or bisexual. It's not even an issue. But, you know, when when you were born, that was, like, a major taboo, and that sort of thing wasn't even talked about, was it? Yes, that's yeah. true. So, Especially since I'm... Uh, Mexican-American. Ah. So there's a cultural issue there, too. Right. So uh, that, you know, gays are not uh, routinely embraced warmly in that society yet, are they? Right. Yeah. So the the whole macho culture and all that, I totally understand. Okay. So uh, what we wanted to do was look at the indicators of that in the chart. And, and I, by, by the way, I applaud your courage about coming onto the show, you know, and, and talking so openly about all this. I really appreciate your willingness to do that. I'm sure there are others who are in the same situation and having the same questions. Yeah, good. So hopefully this will help you know a lot of people. Um, since we do, last I heard, have about 5,000 listeners. So uh, we'll reach quite a few, hopefully. Okay, so let's look uh, first at the Grand Cross in your chart, Valentine, because that, you know, to me is the prime indicator of, you know, bisexuality or, or gayness because Uranus is in the mix. And in my years as an astrologer, what I've observed is when there's gay or bisexual tendencies, Uranus or Aquarius is often very strong in the chart. And uh-huh. that, that is and the, it's also a cardinal cross? True. Um, so. And um, 
I don't know that the the cardinality of it is a major issue in this. You know, I've seen just contact with Uranus Aquarius is enough, whether it's cardinal, mutable, or whatever. You know, okay. it doesn't, doesn't seem to matter uh -huh. a lot. Um, okay. But um, the four corners of the Grand Cross are Uranus and the South Node are up in Cancer in the 11th. Then Neptune is another corner in Libra in the 2nd. Then we have this amazing Capricorn stellium. You have five planets in Capricorn all within about seven degrees of each other, uh, between about 17 and 24 degrees Capricorn. Uh, starting at 17, we have Venus, Mercury, the Sun, Chiron, and the North Node, all in Capricorn, all in the fifth house in Porphyry. And then the other corner is the Moon up in Aries in the eighth. So basically, the four corners are Uranus South Node, Neptune, Venus, Mercury, Sun, Chiron, and North Node, and then the Moon. And to me, the, the signature of, you know, bisexuality or gay tendencies is Uranus, which again, as I said, is the outlier planet. It's the one that's weird and different. And while there are, you know, plenty of, of gay and bisexual people in the world, they still are a minority compared to the number of straight people that are out there. So Uranus is appropriate there because it just represents anything that's outside the norm. Okay. So, and, and in all those planets we talked about, that covers four out of five of your personal planets. I mean, in this T-square, or Grand Cross rather, are the Sun, Mercury, Venus, and the Moon. The only one left out is Mars. And Uranus, you know, making these strong contacts to these personal planets is a strong indicator of, you know, something unusual about you. Okay. Um, so does that make sense in terms of a, a beginning definition of why the chart indicates that, that it's okay to be, you know, feeling same-sex tendencies? Yes, definitely. Hmm. And, you know, um, my decision to go to college was because I felt like there was something wrong. Hmm. I wanted to find out what that was. So you, felt like was the, so you felt there was something wrong with you, so you went to college? Yes. Now, did you have, did you have, was the wrongness you felt the, the attraction toward members of the same sex, or was it something different? It, it was more the, the, uh, the masculine energy. Okay. Yeah, that, that I, I wasn't, uh, I don't know, showing the same tendencies that other women show. In other words, you were a lot yeah. more, you were a lot more assertive and more, more, um, just more yeah. male behaving, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, and and getting banged up about it mm. from other women. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, were you aware at that time that you had five planets in Capricorn in your in your astrology chart? No, actually, I wasn't into astrology at that time. <laughs> yeah, that alone would be enough. I mean, Capricorn is definitely a masculine force, and um, uh -huh. you know that's the overwhelming signature of your chart is the Capricorn. So. Um, you know, that alone would have explained it to have that much, you know, masculine, you know, assertive power in the chart would have been explained just by the Capricorn stellium, really. Oh, I see. Uh-huh. So, um, so good. So, so let's, let's go a little deeper with this. Um, so you mentioned that, you know, you're 60 years old and really just coming to grips with, you know, bisexuality, if that's the right word. Um, yeah, and you know, you know, the, I've I've read other women at that age who have discovered this, and I'm just, you know, I wonder why it takes so long. Hmm. Well, that I'm not sure I can answer the why it takes so long question. Um, 
Um, you know, they, I guess if there was an astrological answer, it would be, well, Capricorn is not in any kind of hurry. <laughs> We're kind okay. of very steady and methodical and takes its time. Um, but my more, my more general answer for anyone would be that, you know, timing is always perfect, whether we perceive it or not. And, um, it, you know, it was not time for you to have this awareness and awakening until now, because that's just the cosmic timing of it, you know? Um, if, you know, it might be interesting to go and look at your transits and see, you know, what was happening, you know, transit wise around the time of this, would you like to explore that briefly and see what the uh, transits might have to say about the timing of the revelation of this for you? Sure. Okay. So you were saying it was summer of 2004 when you first had the inclination that you might be attracted to women and not just men? Yes, I was in a, a workshop with Maurice Fernandez. And he had indicated the uh, sun squaring my moon. Okay. As as uh, confusion. Okay. Uh huh. So that's that's when it hit me. Hmm. Interesting. So um, you somehow took the confusion concept and related it to sexuality. Yes. Uh huh. Okay, and that was and your. He did too, and he did too. Okay. Um, yeah. So that was the, the first time that I even thought about that. Huh. Fascinating. Well, yeah. ar around that time, there were some interesting transits happening. Um, huh? The transiting planet Chiron, you had... Just a second. I have a cat moving around here, and I don't want her stepping on something that's going to mess us up here. Cleo, settle down, please. Okay. So you had Chiron return around that time at uh, in, in late June of 2004. Chiron was at 24, your natal Chiron's at 22, and it actually had already made one hit and it was going to make two more at that point. So you were in the midst of Chiron return, and at that moment, Chiron was on top of your north node in, a, in uh, Capricorn. Oh, so, so the Chiron return, which happens for everyone around the age of 51, is a time of um, often there is additional healing crisis, I know wounding, usually psychological or emotional, may occur, but it's also a time of stepping more powerfully into your own skills as a healer and mentor, often triggered by that healing crisis that comes up. So um, it looks like, yeah, so it's like your north node represents your destiny, and Chiron's there saying time to do healing around, you know, what you need to heal so that you can move more firmly into what you're here to do. And now the awareness comes of your sexuality. So, so that's an interesting timing. And once again, I'm removing the cat from the papers that she's rustling around on. Sorry about that. Um, um, another thing that got my attention is around this time, Saturn is opposing Venus, almost exactly. And Saturn is actually about to plow through oppositions to your entire Capricorn stellium. Saturn at this point is in Cancer. Oh, wow. And in late June, huh? he's just a week or two shy of opposing Venus. So Saturn's the reality check, okay? Um, huh. So here's Saturn opposing Venus, how you relate with others. And isn't it funny, the planet that we most associate with tradition and conservative is here to say, okay, here is the reality. You're not just drawn to men. You're drawn to women, too. Mm -hmm. Okay, so, so I would interpret that as a reality check toward, you know, that factor. Another... Oh. Another synchronistic um, 
event at the same time is that Jupiter at this point is just four degrees off conjunction to the Ascendant and it will cross the Ascendant about three weeks later. Jupiter is your ancient seventh house ruler. You have Pisces on your seventh house cusp. So the ruler of the seventh house is about to enter the first house and start a new 12-year journey. And uh, that journey, one of its themes is how you relate with others. Does that make sense? That, and you're talking about Jupiter? Yes. Okay, yeah, yeah, okay. So, you know, as I glanced at your transit chart, you know, those were the main and juiciest astrological events that I was seeing that would thematically relate to this revelation of yours. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Okay, good. All right, so um, so let's get back to, um, and that, that, by the way, was something we didn't do the first recording. We didn't look at that transit chart, so we right, got a bonus yeah. for, the, for the reader here. <laughs> okay. Now, one of the things we discussed the first time around was um, Uranus opposing that five-planet Capricorn stellium and how, you know, in more traditional ways of thinking, Capricorn is tradition. It represents the old conservative status quo, you don't want to rock the boat kind of energy. And at one level of, of thinking, you would think Uranus opposing that would be a, a, a conflict. You know, here's Uranus wanting to be weird and letting its freak flag fly and being totally outside the box and Capricorn wanting to be totally inside it. But but I've learned in my years as an astrologer, you can always find a way to creatively harmonize seemingly opposing forces. And this is one of those situations. Um, Capricorn does not have to play conservative. Um, The way you can play this opposition, in my opinion, is you can take Uranus as, okay, here's the intuitive flash popping down. And here's me being my authentic one-of-a-kind self, whatever that means. And then all the Capricorn planets can can come into line and say, okay, great. We can help you be mature and responsible about this. We can help you manage your time well. We can help you plan out how to be unique and original and help you execute that plan. Yeah, so that supports my Uranus. Right. So so my point is they don't have to fight. You know, an opposition in this case, you know, we think of an opposition as a hard aspect, and technically it's classified that way, but if you and I were sitting across from each other, Valentine, and just having a lovely conversation, if you drew a circle around us, we'd be in an astrological opposition, wouldn't we? Ah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, we could be having the most wonderful, friendly, connected conversation in the world. So it doesn't have to mean conflict. And in this case, Uranus opposing all these Capricorn planets does not have to create conflict. It can be creatively harmonized. Let's bring in the some other components of the, the Grand Cross. Neptune is one of the corners. And you'd mentioned, you know, as we started this conversation, you were feeling some confusion around your gender and your sexuality and all that, right? Right. Okay. And, and that's one of the ways Neptune can operate, particularly when it's in hard aspect. Um, so Neptune, you know, connecting to all these planets, the sun, the core of my identity, uh, Mercury, in this case, a double angle ruler representing the mask or persona you show since it rules the ascendant and the reputation you have in the world since it rules the midheaven. Um, Venus is particularly, uh, it's a loose square from Venus to Neptune, but it's there. And it says, I'm confused about how I relate with people as one way that can play in. Um, Neptune's also opposing the moon right across from it over in the eighth house. The eighth house is the house of, you know, my deep, intimate connections with people. It represents the blending of sexual fluids, 
Um, when couples are in a committed romantic partnership, it could be the blending of money, the blending of, you know, all their aspects of their life together, you know, literally or metaphorically. Okay. And right. here's Neptune opposing an eighth house planet saying in my committed partnerships, there is some confusion there too. Okay. So even confusion toward the optimal life path, since the Neptune's also tightly squared the nodes of the moon, north and south. So it's not hard to see why the confusion would potentially be there. But let's also talk about how we can take Neptune and use it more positively. Because again, no planet is, you know, automatically wired to only express its challenging side. Planets also like to flow and, and do life-affirming things. And while confusion can be a challenge side of Neptune, Neptune can also be divine connection and creative inspiration, right? Now, uh, I remember from our first take of this that you said you are very spiritually sensitive and you uh, it's true you're very empathic and you, you vibe out people in situations very easily and automatically, right? Right. And you, you also told me that you easily move into altered states of consciousness and you're aware firsthand of other dimensions beyond the physical world, right? Okay, so there, there's an upside to Neptune, the sensitivity and ability to move into other dimensions and access those states for the benefit of others. Um, you mentioned also to me that you're working as a psychic and as an animal communicator, and obviously that work depends on your ability to communicate with other dimensions, right? Right. Okay, so, so there it is being helpful in your work, Neptune square Mercury, the Midheaven ruler. <laughs> so okay. there's good things uh -huh. there. And Neptune also, I don't think we even got into this the first time, is divine inspiration. Um, is it true that, you know, you all the time are just getting little creative ideas and little kind of, you know, impulses on things you should do and, and creative things that you can create? Yes, definitely. Yeah. And, and am I correct that these are not just, oh, it would be nice to do that, but they're kind of insistent and they kind of really mm -hmm. want to be manifested? Yes, because... You know, that's, I, that's what makes me the happiest, is uh, thinking about those things, being inspired to do different things and on my own. Good. So there's, there's the Neptune inspiration. And when Neptune connects by hard aspect, you know, opposing the moon and squaring everything else we're talking about, you know, those, those creative impulses are insistent. That's what squares and oppositions do. Squares especially. They want you to turn a corner and do something with it. They don't go away. Yeah. So... You know, with a chart like this, with Neptune squaring Sun and Mercury and Venus and the nodes and a bunch of other stuff, too, you know, we could say that, you know, your Neptune is going to need to be used all the time somehow. And if it's not used on the high side for spiritual union practice or creative expression, then it's going to want to go get involved in drugs or alcohol or escapist behavior or playing the victim in a relationship or feeling drifty and aimless or confused. Um, I would guess with Neptune so strongly square and opposing so many critical things that you may have experienced some of those more challenging aspects of Neptune as well. Am I right? Yeah, and you know, that's because um, in terms of drug addiction and escapism and that kind of thing, I've, I've always uh, turned away from that, but my entire family is involved in that. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So it's a yeah. familial thing. Okay. And that would be more represented by Neptune opposing the moon, uh, the moon being the representative of family naturally for everybody. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so that would make sense astrologically as well. 
Okay, so uh, so with that insistent Neptune, I would say keeping your spiritual connection as strong as possible and and letting your creative inspirations be expressed into the world is is really critical for for living a really great life and avoiding the more challenging ways Neptune would show up otherwise. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Um, and in fact, let me mention, um, when I look at your aspect grid, which is printed out in the PDF that's up on, you know, thisweekinastrology.blogspot.com, uh, Neptune has a lot of aspects, but Uranus has even more. Um, you know, Uranus is yeah. aspecting actually all five personal planets. It even trines Mars. <laughs> in addition to making yeah. square in opposition to everybody else. So what this is saying, let me also give a low and high of Uranus. Again, this is new territory we didn't cover on the first draft, so I can see why Spirit wanted us to redo this. Um, you've The high of Uranus is basically, I've boiled it down to three main points. One is being your unique true self, no matter how weird it is. Um, the second is following your intuitive flashes. And the third is humanitarian service at the highest level. Um, ah, okay. we, we haven't really discussed intuitive flashes yet. Are you, would I be uh, correct in assuming you get lots of them? You just sort of get hits as to yes. what to do mm-hmm. a lot. And I've, I've learned to pay attention to them. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And if I don't, then the universe will force that on me. Uh-huh. <laughs> we can Some do it. way. <laughs> we can do it the easy way or we can do it the hard way, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so if something, if a message comes through, uh, on the third round, I pay attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I sometimes describe a sequence of events. First, you get the tap on the shoulder. No, I'm sorry. First, the whisper in the ear. If you don't do it, you get the tap on the shoulder. You don't do it, you get the shove in the chest, knocks your breath out. And if you don't yeah. do it then, then you might get knocked down and stomped, you know? Yeah. So the universe, if it's important for your soul growth to get involved in whatever you're being led to, you got to go do it. Or and and on the high side, you know, Uranus is this feeling of electric excitement and, you know, it's it's very exciting energy and very spontaneous and a lot of fun. But if you don't follow those things, if you don't, in your case, be your unique self and follow your intuitive flashes, then you're going to get nervous and irritable and anxious and crazy. Okay. Yeah. So um, have you, let me just reality check that. Have you found that to be true in your own experience that if you're not, following your intuitive flashes and being as authentic you as you can, that those negative qualities of nervousness or irritability or crazy coming into your life kind of show up more? Yes, definitely. Okay. Definitely. Okay, good. So that reinforces the low and high of Uranus. Okay. Much better to be your authentic self and follow your intuitive flashes. And if you're called to humanitarian Regardless service... Regardless of what anyone thinks or says. Uh-huh. Okay. I, I'm sorry, I missed what you just said. Could you repeat that? Um that uh, I need to follow my intuitive flashes and my Uranian side regardless of what people say or do in regards to that? Uh, I would recommend that, you know? Yeah. And again, only you know the actual situation you're in and what consequences might befall you if you do that, right? Mm -hmm. But I would say to the greatest degree possible, I would. Um, Yeah. Yeah. and, you know, this can even get to the point where um, if you're living a, in a community where your true self can never be embraced and you would only be met with hostility or worse, then it might be worth considering a relocation if that's the scenario. Yes, I've been thinking about that, actually, moving out of the country. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, I don't know if you mean like the countryside or the actual 
country you're living in, like the United States or whatever. Country I'm living in, in especially in regards to the political situation right now. Mm, okay. Yeah. So, so I'm I'm not even voting anymore. Okay. All right. Good. So so be true to whatever you're called to do. Um, <laughs> so let me just see what else is suggesting here. Yeah, but ideally you want to be in an environment that is supportive. Like in my own case, you know, I I grew up in Oklahoma and lived there for 41 years. And, you know, there's a lot of great things about Oklahoma, but it did not match me because I was just too weird. You know, I had, you know, my Uranus ascending and I had my Aquarius sun and I just never fit in to the the more mainstream regular folks kind of energy that typifies Oklahoma. So finally, in my early 40s, I moved to Asheville, North Carolina, and in Oklahoma, I was like the standout weirdo. In Asheville, I had to weird up just to be normal. <laughs> and I fit here perfectly. I mean, I'm living in a town full of strange, unusual, and bizarre people, and I fit right in because I'm one of them, you know? Yeah, that's great. So um, I can recommend that, you know, if you feel like the wherever you're at right now, whether it's, you know, a city or a country or whatever, isn't supporting you, then then why not go live someplace where you are supported, you know? Mm-hmm. I think that's a that's a good good strategy, actually. So just a little anecdote from my own life to support that. So I want to also mention, you know, as strong as Uranus and Neptune are, guess whose aspects are even stronger overall in your chart? Chiron. What was that again? Yeah, I'm saying, you know, you've got an amazing amount of Neptune and Uranus connection, but Chiron beats them all because Chiron is part of your Capricorn stellium, okay? Yes. And uh-huh. it's conjuncting three personal planets, the Sun, Mercury, and Venus. And as I mentioned, Mercury is a double-angle ruler, a Senate in Midheaven. So it, it gets the most power of them all just because it's, it's conjunct them. That's the most powerful Except aspect of all. Except every planet. Well, it, you know, many of the most important, including the North Node. So let's talk about that one for a minute. Um, so to have Chiron so clustered up with the Sun half a degree away and the chart ruler and the Midheaven ruler, Mercury, and Venus, your relationships, suggests to me you probably have experienced a lot of wounding through your life. And your, your differentness, whether you expressed it or not, has caused a certain amount of difficulty for you. Is that correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, um, having a Sun-Chiron conjunction myself, about two degrees apart, you know, I've learned that when one focuses on one's own healing and, and, and deals with it, the more one heals, the more one becomes able to also help others heal because you've developed the talent for healing yourself and you discover it's a transferable skill. So um, you mentioned you're doing uh, pet communication and psychic readings. Is there a, a significant healing component to that or anything else you're doing right now? Yes, uh, absolutely, because um, in a traditional sense, I was involved in counseling. Oh, really? uh, Both academically and uh, in my work. Okay. And now I've switched to spiritual counseling. Oh. Okay. So what you're doing is having a clear and direct healing effect with those you work with then? Yes, Uh uh-huh. Okay, good. And do you feel like you are being, are you getting feedback that people are being genuinely helped by what you do? Oh, yes. Uh-huh. Okay, awesome. Yeah. Well, it sounds yeah, like... And, and you always know when you're doing what's right for you, when after the process is over, you feel so good about it. 
Mm, yes. I, I, that's how I feel. I feel very fulfilled. Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, and to me, I, I go for myself. I go the extra step too of always getting feedback from the clients. And and was uh-huh. this helpful? In fact, I, the way I set up my own business, I end every session and I let them know it's coming with the question, "Was I helpful?" And I actually say, when I set up the session, if you don't say yes, then you don't pay. In other words, if I was not really helpful for you, then I don't want your money. Yes. Yeah, but but I have kind of a radical guarantee. <laughs> <laughs> But it's Great important. Idea. That's yeah. a, it's important to me, you know. And and it looks yeah. like you have the same ability to be helpful and a healing force with that Chiron sandwich between your Sun and your North Node so tightly. That's really a lovely setup. We'll return with the rest of our live listener consultation. How much valuable astrological information can you get for just fifteen dollars? Far more than you might expect, thanks to the Time Passages Natal Report. This is by far the best natal computer report I've ever seen. It provides an extraordinary depth of interpretation with a consistently positive tone. A computer report can never replace a human astrologer, but the Time Passages Natal Report will provide you with a wealth of insights into your natal chart. It can also serve as a great introduction to astrology or help anyone understand themselves better. I was amazed at how much I learned about myself from its insightful interpretations. The Time Passages Natal Report also makes a unique and affordable gift for all occasions. To learn more or place your order, visit astroshaman.com. From there, click on Products in the menu bar and choose Computer Reports from the drop-down menu. Satisfaction guaranteed or your money back. How much valuable astrological information can you get for just $15? Order your risk-free Time Passages Natal Report and find out. Let me uh, mention also, Valentine, we've talked a fair amount about all these planets in Capricorn. We haven't really talked about the fifth house, though, have we? No. Um, at least we did it on the first recording, but we haven't on this one yet. Um, right. So the fifth house is the Leo-flavored house, and it says whatever you do, you should have a lot of fun. The fifth house is the house of playfulness, of being a kid or having your inner child out to play, rest and recreation. And since your career ruler is there, Mercury... You know, it's a very clear signal that both in work and your personal life, um, you should do things that give you a lot of pleasure. And uh, hopefully you'll you'll get, if you're not already there, into a space like I'm in, which is, you know, the most fun thing I do is what I get paid for. You know, to work in a healing and mentoring capacity with people as an astrologer and a shamanic healer is just total fun for me. I love it. Mm-hmm. You know? And uh, do you get that same kind of fun and joy? Yeah, it's from almost like you? it's not work. Yeah. You know, how cool yeah. is that when your work feels like play? Then you know you're really yeah. onto something. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, so, yeah, so I would strongly recommend that, too. And you, you mentioned also, I think it was in the first recording, that you kind of chafe when you're put in a office scenario and you have to follow other people's rules. Yes, it just doesn't work for me. Um, I'm, I, I just have a really hard time because I always know for myself what's best. Mm. And in a traditional work situation, you've got to do what you're told regardless of whether it's the right thing to do. Right. And I can't do that. Okay. Yeah, and to have that loaded fifth house, another, you know, fifth house, the meaning of the fifth house is derived from the sign Leo. And one of the Leo archetypes is the king. Okay. So here you are, the king, you know, with your midheaven ruler in there and your son in there. And that that's a strong indicator that you're really not here to... To, to follow other people's directions. You're really here to kind of do your own thing. Um, yeah. 
The moon in Aries, another member of this grand cross, is another indicator. Aries is the warrior and the pioneer and the one who blazes the trail, not follows someone else's. Yes, so. and it's, it's, the moon is trining the Pluto? Uh, very tightly, yeah, within yes. seven minutes. Yeah, it's a really tight yes. trine. Yeah. Yeah. And, of course, Pluto lends power to that, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so those are all factors as well. So um, let's we we've kind of covered a lot of ground so far. So we've had a pretty deep discussion of the cardinal cross. We haven't discussed every single aspect of it, but one never does discuss every single aspect of a setup. I mean, it's, there's always other options of describing it. You don't get into. But do you feel like um, that our discussion of the grand cross so far has been helpful to you, and has it given you any new insight? Yes, definitely. Thank you very much. Good. And especially um, since, you know, it felt like coming in the core conundrum you were having was around the sexuality. You know, I want to just reemphasize Uranus, the planet of let your freak flag fly. It's okay to be different. You know, opposing all those Capricorn planets. Again, you know, you can be different. You can follow your intuitive flashes and just let the Capricorn energy structure and put all that into order. And so the, the the really key message here is you don't have to feel a conflict between your Capricorns, your Capricorn planets, and your Uranus. They can get along just fine together. Yeah, that was that's key for me. Yeah, that that seems okay. like like one of the headliners for you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So uh, you also wanted to know about your Yod, I believe. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um. So so let me cover that. To refresh what that is, uh, the Yod goes up to the Midheaven and Jupiter at the top. Um, and the back end of the, uh, of the Yod is Mars and Scorpio and Venus and Capricorn. And um, let me see. I'm just trying to feel. Yeah, we'll call all of that Yod material. Um, now, technically, actually, I think about it. It may actually technically only be a Yod to the Midheaven because Jupiter... Mm, is a little over four degrees off the quincunx to Mars and acts actually a little further than I give it quincunx. So I guess to be real technical about it, we should just say that we have Venus and Mars on the back end going up to the midheaven, which is sufficient for our description. Okay. So the midheaven... I have, uh, I have Mercury and Venus quincunx. Is um, that is true. But we have to create an aspect pattern and... Um, let me see. The problem is that to create a yod, we have to have a sextile on the back end. A yod is a is a pair of 150 degree quincunxes and then a sextile on the back. And even if I use a five degree orb for a sextile, and an orb just means okay. how exa- how close is it to exact? Mars does not quite reach to Mercury. Mercury is still almost seven degrees beyond the Mars. Okay. So I can't include Mercury because Mercury and Mars are too far apart on the back end. The only three points I I can really put into that pattern and have everyone actually be in orb of everybody else to really fit is Mars and Venus on the back and the Midheaven on the top. Okay. Okay. So good good point. And and just to clarify the reason, just to give coordinates, Mars on the left side of the yacht is, is Scorpio 13 degrees, 35 minutes. Over on the right side in Capricorn, Venus is at 17 degrees, 14 Capricorn. Mercury is just a little too far away to connect to Mars. It's at 19 degrees, 54 minutes Capricorn. 
and the midheaven itself is in Gemini at 15 degrees 44. Again, all this is already laid out in the chart at thisweekinastrology.blogspot.com for this show, if you just want to look at that if you're listening. Um, but we will need to restrict uh, ourselves technically to just Venus, Mars, and the midheaven, okay? Okay. Okay. So a yod is, is, is colloquially known as the finger of God. Do this or else, as my teacher Kelly Phipps used to say. And it's interesting, the midheaven is Gemini. And um, I don't think on this re-recording we've really talked about the meaning of that Gemini midheaven, have we? So, no. So let's fill that in here. Uh, Gemini midheaven, you know, has a number of possibilities. It says, as part of what you do for a living, there might be communicating or writing or sharing of information involved somehow. Okay? Um, and that sounds like which, I mean, are you doing your, your psychic and healing work full-time? Is that your full profession? Uh, no, it's not. I, I do that, and I also do uh, photography. Okay. I'm starting to, to work on that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, so are That's you... I'm sorry, I missed the last thing you said? That's communicating as well. Well, yeah. Communication does not have to be verbal. The communication can totally be visual. So that, that would work, too. And, and just as a side note, Neptune is the ruler of photography, and it totally ties in with the whole Grand Cross, including the, the Midheaven ruler, Mercury. So oh, uh, photography is therefore supported as a possible profession. Um, but a Gemini Midheaven says, I'm, I'm out here to communicate something. Okay? And then Mars and Venus on the back end, they're the natural rulers of feminine and masculine energy, aren't they? Yeah. Okay. So, again, the chart doesn't just show what you're doing now. It shows potential for the future. And, you know, as you come to grips with your own sexuality, maybe it will be that you'll be out there communicating to people about your own experience about that and how they can, well, isn't that what we're doing right now? I mean, you, you specifically said you know a lot of people are going to be hearing this show. Maybe there will be some who are have struggled with the same gender issues you've been working with, and maybe this will help them somehow, Right. Right. So so we are actually doing that Venus-Mars up to the midheaven right now by doing this podcast, aren't we? Sure, aren't we? Yeah, so here you go. But you know, go ahead. question uh, about the quincunx, yes. uh, that makes it difficult, doesn't it? Well, it says they don't connect automatically and some kind of adjustments required, okay? Okay. The sextile on the back end communicates easily, okay? But the quincunx right. up to the midheaven is a little trickier. So this just says... Um, it's not, you know, this automatic communication of whatever Venus and Mars represent will not happen by itself. You're going to need to make a conscious effort and intention to let these things come forward and be communicated out. Okay? Now, now let's take other, other descriptions of Venus and Mars, by the way. Um, I, I identified it in your context as, you know, working with the male-female gender issue. But Venus and Mars in combination are also a very creative combination. Um, Venus and Mars combos our high creativity. I have a Venus-Mars conjunction in my chart, and um, I've done a lot of creative things in the course of my life. So this also says your creativity wants to come out and be expressed somehow, communicated, whether it's, again, in written form or any other form. Um, and Venus and Mars is also a high libido combination. There's a lot of sexual energy when you put these together, particularly with Mars and Scorpio. Okay? So... Um, it could be that sexual themes will somehow come out in your communication, whether it's a you know gender sexual issue or or whether you know the actual you know steamier side of sex is somehow involved in what you're communicating. 
Um, okay. So that's a potential as well. Um, so that's a few ways of thinking about the Venus-Mars uh, going up to the midheaven. Do you have any questions about um, that that label of things? So what you're saying is that I'm going to have to work a little hard to balance that out, the Jupiter and Gemini, Queen Kung-Sing, well, Mercury and Mars. Well, actually not Jupiter, but the midheaven in Gemini. Um being being pointed at by Mars and Venus. Um, okay. Yeah. I, well, I'm not saying it doesn't say it has to be hard. That's that's not that's not necessary. It's just saying some kind of adjustments needed here. Um, okay. For you to communicate out what you're really here to communicate. Okay. And if if in fact you know your whole you know working with your gender is part of that, then part of that adjustment is you coming to terms with your own gender identity and your own sexuality. Does that make sense? And then either overtly or subtly, that could then inform all the other things you communicate out. Does that make sense? Uh-huh. You know, it doesn't mean you have to go be a crusader for being comfortable as a male energy in a female body, although there certainly are those who are, you know, communicating that in a really lovely way. But, you know, in, in some way, even subtly, that's going to communicate, that's going to be communicated through whatever else you do, just because it's an integral uh-huh. part of you. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So it doesn't mean you have to go, you know, storm the barricades about it, but, you know, you can get it out there either overtly or subtly in whatever way feels comfortable and appropriate for you. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that to me is, is probably the the most central piece that I can think of with the yacht. Any questions about that? No. Okay. So, Valentine, I think we've covered most of the main stuff you were asking about. I is there one last thing you wanted to ask about before we wrap up here? Yes, I'd like to talk about my moon uh, in the eighth, my Pluto in the twelfth. Okay, and and I think you said when we just took a quick recording break a second ago that it's causing you trouble. Do you mind elaborating on what kind of trouble you're referring to there? Yes, my moon in Aries tends to be really, really strong. Okay, and um, it. Um, I can get angry really, really fast okay. when people get in my way, when okay. I don't get my own way. Okay. And then there's Pluto saying, okay, how about this? And it's kind of like, um, to me, like a punishment for being angry. Okay, could you be, so does the punishment come from outside or do you punish yourself? From the outside. Okay, so you're saying there's like immediate karmic retribution when you do something that that involves yes. anger? Yes, and it doesn't matter whether I'm right or wrong. It just happens when I get angry because mm-hmm. my anger is so intense. Okay, so um, as an example, now this is, you know, we, we had to completely redo this, this live listener consultation because the computer glitched and you, you commented that your energy had messed up computers before, right? Even though you were not angry, yes. right? Okay. <laughs> So, so I've had firsthand evidence that you've got a really strong, powerful field here. Okay, um, let me. You know, the synchronicity of this is amazing. Let me let me tell a brief story about something that happened to me just this morning that I believe relates to what you just said. May I share my little anecdote here? Um, I'm renting a house here in Asheville, and I was angry at my landlord because she was wanting to charge me for a repair that I thought was her responsibility according to our lease. And I'm not going to get into the details because they don't really, they're not relevant to the point I'm making. And for 
much of yesterday and some of this morning, I was angry at her, you know, and and I don't like being angry. And it and I, I really strive to be in a balanced, harmonious, flowing state as much as I can be. That's my goal is yes. to just flow mm-hmm. in that awakened state as much as possible. Right. And here I am all fuming at her, you know, and then I finally realized this morning that I've been feeling terrible for about 24 hours because of this stupid little situation. And we're only talking $35, you know, it's not a huge amount of money or anything and and not even a major inconvenience. And then I realized, Oh, it's the thing I tell my clients all the time. Whatever feelings you're holding toward another person are generated within yourself. You do it to yourself. And I hadn't been conscious of it. I was doing it and wasn't aware of it. And the moment it became conscious and I saw what I was doing, the anger just dropped away and this really horrible feeling in my stomach just stopped. It just disappeared. I said, oh, I was doing it to myself, wasn't I? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Over $5. <laughs> Over, yeah, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. So, um, so here's, here's, here's a, let me relate this to your situation, okay? So we see how powerful you are. The Grand Cross definitely demonstrates that. When your moon in Aries gets angry and Pluto revs it up, then a lot of planets get affected by that, okay? Um, and because you are generating negative energy, you know, you know, another of the axioms I teach is that whatever state you hold within yourself, you, the world is going to reflect back to you in the actions that occur to you and the events that transpire. The universe is yeah. like a dynamic holodeck responding in real time to the state you're holding inside yourself. And therefore, you're angry, and then the world snaps back at you because of the intense energy you're projecting out to the world. Does that make sense? Yes, definitely. Now, does this only happen when you project the anger out at someone or something, or is it just the fact that you're holding anger just inside yourself that causes this, this whip back? Um, it's not possible for me to hold in my anger without directing it out to someone or something. Okay. So, so you have you flashed the anger out to the world. You sent it out, and so the law of instant karma, which is very strong for you apparently, just zips it right back, and something happens back in in proportionate measure to kind of slap back at you, right? Yeah, and it's and it excuse me. Um, other people can 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 get away with being intensely angry at others, uh-huh. but I can't. No. Because yeah, you're. I mean, same situation with someone else, <laughs> they're fine. Right. Not me. Okay. So, um, and the chart, you know, the flash temper, one way we would look at that is we've got moon in Aries, Aries, the sign of anger, square Uranus. That's a flash temper signature. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. Now, we, however, also have the means to control anger because one part of your chart we have not discussed yet is the Saturn Mars conjunction in Scorpio. Okay. Uh-huh. Now Mars is the planet of anger. Okay. Aries is the sign. Mars is the planet. And the great thing about having Mars conjunct Saturn is that Saturn can put a box around it and control it. Okay. Doesn't do it enough. Well, maybe you're not choosing to do it enough. Yeah. Are you saying there's never been a time when you felt that anger flaring up and you never made a choice to control it and you prevented it from manifesting? Has that never happened even once? It has now. It, it, in the past, it's been so fast uh-huh. that there there isn't any time for me to think, oh, maybe I shouldn't say that, or oh, maybe I should direct it another way. In the past, it, it, 
there was no choice. But you're saying that has changed recently? Yes. Okay. So now do you feel like if you felt that anger starting to build, even if there were just a second or two warning, you could say, okay, not now, and you could choose to restrain that from expressing out into the world? Yes. Okay. And, and it's through my my observation of other people who put the same situations, and they they deal with it in a more appropriate way. Right. Okay, so good. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, it took 60 years, but you're getting the hang of it, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would never go back. <laughs> good. Okay. Well, I think I think the chart has both the explanation of why you had a flash temper for so long, the Aries moon square Uranus. Um, yeah. And then we also see another part of the chart that explains how you control it, which is the Mars-Saturn conjunction, Saturn restraining Mars, the anger. Yay. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say you've got your solution right there. Right. Um, and I also will tell you, um, given that Uranus apparently is an instigator of the Aries moon, um, I believe you'll also find the more you step into that high side of Uranus we've already discussed, being your authentic self and following your intuitive flashes really regularly, and maybe even if you're called to do higher humanitarian service doing that, that Uranus will less and less trigger the Aries moon, and you'll find you'll be having flashes of temper far less frequently. Okay. Because what, that good. What, what I observe in astrology is when you milk a planet on the high side, it has less energy left over for the low side. Mm. And likewise, let's and in, in taste of the energy of Mars and Aries, you know those have high side expressions too. Which, if you regularly put into action, they'll have less energy left over to be angry at all. I mean, if you are exercising regularly and athletically, get a good sweat, a good heart rate going. That Mars loves aerobic exercise. If you have competitive tendencies, if you like, you know, like sports and games where you can win, you know, do those. If you still have that Aries-Mars competitive vibe going on. Um, sexuality is Aries-Mars. So if you have a lover and you have satisfying sex, that'll definitely, you know, drain some of the anger energy away. Yeah, um, take the edge off. And remember, it's the leader energy, too, the warrior, the pioneer. So fighting for a worthy cause, stepping up and initiating things that you feel need to be initiated, all is going to be a life-affirming use of the energy of Aries and Mars. So I will, uh, based on what I've seen with prior clients, I believe if you make a strategy of that, you know, getting your Aries on the high side, getting your Uranus on the high side, you'll find that the flash temper just won't be there so much anymore because those energies are being otherwise engaged in a more life-affirming way. Got it. Does that make sense? Yeah, I really like the the uh, what you expressed about the high side and low side of uh, expression of your energies. Oh, good. So I hope you yeah, find that... No, that it's not... All, you know, I... Yeah, that it's not like the Mars and Scorpio, you know... That could be really difficult and to be able to express it in a positive way. Oh, Mars and... Not at all. Mars and Scorpio. Well, let, let me give you the list of Mars and Scorpio things. Sacred sexuality, um, investigation, uh, occult practice, um, being a leader or warrior or pioneer in any of those areas. Um, you know, blending... Also aggression, though. I'm sorry? Also aggression. Aggression in the third house was like well, it can be. I mean, you, you might... with other people. That's a low side way it can play, of course. You've got to lean yeah. into your third house. But again, that, that's a, 
that's not going to happen as much if you do these high side things I'm recommending. Yeah. You know, Mars will have spent its energy elsewhere. It won't have any energy left over to pick a fight. <laughs> so, so again, I'm not, I'm not negating that they can express on the low side. That's obvious. Okay. Yeah. But, you know, my strategy is always how can we creatively use these planets in a more positive way so that they behave better and you have better outcomes from them. Yeah. You know, you can't stop them from expressing, but you can redirect their expression. Right. And and if you want to go a step further, you can do shamanic astrology, which is where you actually talk to the planet. If you have an understanding of what its archetypal meaning is, you can talk to Mars and say, hey, Mars, I, you know, you don't speak to what you don't want, because when you affirm and, and do this kind of visualization work, negation is not understood by the universe. It only knows the images you're showing it. What you say is, Mars, here's what I want you to do with me now. And then you just say the high side things like the sacred sex and the occult practice and being more of a leader and a warrior and a pioneer and all the things you do want it to do. And you hold that vision and you say, Mars, please now blend with me and shift, make this energetic shift so that you express more in this way now. And then you relax and the planet comes in and it fires up all this lovely stuff. Um, by the way, my, my shamanic astrology method is fully explained in a, a recent book called Transpersonal Astrology Explorations at the Frontier. It's 16 different chapters by 16 different authors, but mine is on shamanic astrology and it contains everything I know about how I do shamanic astrology in that style. If anyone's interested in picking that up, you can get it on Amazon or whatever. Okay, so um, I didn't really mean to end with a plug, but <laughs> that's how it just happened. No, that's great. Okay. That's super to be able to to connect with that. There isn't a lot out there on sh on shamanic astrology. Okay, cool. All right. Yeah. Um, all right. So I think that's it. Uh, are there any major loose ends, Valentine? Before we wrap up this uh, this uh, part, this rather live listener consultation. No, it's been really terrific. Thank you so much. Oh, good. So, so let me ask you my my ending question that I always ask, which is, was I helpful today? Very much so. Excellent. Well, I'm so glad to be helpful. It's been a very unique and very exciting live listener consultation. Thank you for for talking with me so we could uh, put this out and help people learn some stuff. Thanks a lot. Okay, I my appreciate pleasure. it. Okay, many blessings to you. Same to you. Bye-bye. As a postscript to this live listener consultation, I'd like to share an email that Valentine sent me the same day after we did the recording of the session you just heard. And uh, she wrote, subject, what a gift. She wrote, I was so stunned at the end of our session, I was stuck for words. I've had my chart read by a few well-known astrologers, and your reading was at the top of the list. You were clear in covering points that were very important to me. You've changed my life. I would recommend your services to anyone who wanted a complete professional understanding of their chart. Please use my words any way you see fit. Valentine. Thank you, Valentine, for that lovely testimonial. I offer three main services at Astro Shaman, astrology, shamanic healing, and awakening activation. All are equally effective in person or long distance. Choose one or combine two or more services during your session. Astrology offers insights into soul purpose, career, relationships, spirituality, timing, relocation, and much more. In Awakening Activation Sessions, I help you immerse into your own awakened state using simple, powerful invocations, then teach you how to refresh it on your own. Shamanic healing can reduce or eliminate physical, emotional, or mental issues, and usually results in significantly enhanced divine consciousness. 
I also offer electional astrology to help you pick the perfect date and time for any important event. And be sure to check out my free services page where you can load up on free forecasts, podcasts, invocations, and music. Sliding scale payment is available by request. You can get a 20% discount during your birthday month and gift certificates are always available. I work with clients all around the world by phone and Skype. You get a free digital recording of your session and I accept PayPal and all major credit cards. Finally, my guarantee makes it risk-free. If you don't feel that your experience was helpful, it's free. For more information or to set an appointment, visit astroshaman.com, email info at astroshaman.com, or call 828-338-9852. I love my work, and I look forward to helping you. As we wrap up this week's show, let me remind you once again that I am running a 30% off special on all Astro Shaman services, and that is good through August 18th. You can either do the session by the 18th or prepay it by then, and then take until the end of 2015 to actually do the session. Again, information on that is at astroshaman.com. You'll see it referenced on the homepage. If you enjoyed this week in astrology, please tell a friend or post or tweet about us or donate to support us at thisweekinastrology.com. You can link to our Facebook page and Twitter feed where I post daily forecasts from thisweekinastrology.com and astroshaman.com. You can listen to This Week in Astrology on your smartphone or tablet at stitcher.com. And if you're an iTunes listener, please do subscribe through iTunes and help us maintain our standing as the number one astrology audio podcast on iTunes. Thank you so much for listening. I wish you infinite blessings as the stars light your way. This Week in Astrology is copyright 2014 by Astro Shaman. All rights reserved, although enthusiastic sharing is encouraged. You can access our free comprehensive audio archive from thisweekinastrology.com. If you'd like me to illustrate the weekly forecast with your chart, please send me your date, time, and city of birth. This also gives you a chance to win a free session with me every time the seasons change. I welcome your personal questions for my live listener consultation segments. I also welcome your general astrology questions and feedback. Just email info at astroshaman.com. I look forward to making you a part of This Week in Astrology. Here's this week's index. Our overview begins at 2 minutes, Monday, 2.41, Tuesday, 4.02, Wednesday, 5.22, Thursday, 6.22, Friday, 6.48, Saturday, 9.13, Sunday, 9.41, next week, 10.38, that's next week's transits, announcements, 12.35, and our live listener consultation begins at 15.55. Thank you so much for listening to This Week in Astrology.